What's up? Somebody wake me. Yo, what's up, man? Is this thing on? <laughs> Jay Soderberg. That's me. John Luckenbaugh. That's him. Two podcasting veterans. One from the production space. And one from the outer space. And we're, we're, we're QNO. Weekly news and tips in podcasting. On podcasts. Hello and welcome to another exciting edition of the Queued Up Podcast on Podcasting. And this week and next week and probably the week after are really exciting editions because John and I have a guest, which we're super excited about to get into. Just so you know, I am Jay Soderberg, a.k.a. Pod Vader. He is John Luckenbaugh, the uh, founder of the Queued Up Podcasting Agency. Hey, John, how's it going? Good morning, Jay. Doing okay. Uh, digging out of the snow today. How about you? Yeah, we'll peel back the curtains. You know, when we recorded this, there was a foot and a half of snow dumped on me. I was all ready. I was all excited. And then my snowblower broke. Now I'm not so excited anymore. Now I'm just a little perturbed. That's old technology. And today we're hoping that new technology will work for us. Although if you listened to the mm. last episode, you know, uh, we didn't run, we didn't fare so well with the new technology, but uh, John, why don't you bring in our guest? I'd like to bring in Isabel Monjo. She is a writer and producer for Queued Up, excellent team member that we have. She's going for her master's in creative writing at the University of Cambridge. Welcome, Izzy. Hello. How are you guys? Cheerio. It's not tea time, <laughs> but hopefully we can make you feel comfortable here. I am not currently in England. I'm currently buried in the snow along with you guys <laughs> in the north. But yes, I'm getting my degree from Cambridge. I'm a writer and producer for Queued Up. You started a booktube channel too, right? I did. I started over the summer. It's basically, I've discovered this world of booktube, which is basically book reviews and writing videos and just that world of reading, writing, and editing all on YouTube. And so I started a channel back in June amidst the pandemic when I reassessed my life and I want, you know, I decided what's something I want to do that I haven't done yet. And I, you know, decided to start a booktube channel. So yeah, it's been really fun. So I've been doing that on the side as well. And what's that called? What's your book channel called? My booktube channel is called Izzy's Inc. So do people just send you books to review? Is, is that how that works? Well, right now I'm just reviewing books that I've read or, you know, putting together a list of potentially wintry crime books to read, things like that. I have received one or two books for free to review, which has been great. But that just sort of, excuse the bad pun, that snowballs, you know, as your channel, <laughs> grows, as your channel grows, you get more of that. So right now I'm just, you know, doing it for fun, just talking about the books that I love. Or after listening to this podcast, I have writing videos as well. Uh, you're the creative writing master. So is Isabel's Inc., is that still alliteration or is that something different? That is. So okay. I was kind of playing on, I mean, it's spelled like I-N-K, but I was kind of playing on ink, like incorporated. So yeah, but you're right. It is alliteration. My high school schooling still comes through. There you go. All right. Today, the reason why we have Izzy here with us is to talk about narrative podcasts, which is a little bit different than what people typically think of a podcast. And Isabel, I'll ask you, what really is the difference between a narrative podcast and the podcast that people normally would think is a podcast? Yeah, so uh, I'll take a popular example of like the interview type podcast. This is sort of an interview discussion table type of podcast. But when it comes to a narrative podcast that is more scripted, that follows an act structure, and you are 
quite literally telling a story that you've laid out either to conclude at the end of that episode or some people do long form stories that can span over several podcast episodes or a whole season of podcasts. So it really is, it's a kind of a little bit like a screenwriting episode in following an act structure and following a overall uh, narrative arc. There are certain genres that lend to this particular type of podcast a lot more. True crime is a, is a very obvious one where narrative is like the dominant fashion of, of podcast. Whereas in sports, I feel that there's a huge opportunity to create more narrative type podcasts in the sports category. And personal dramas or like personal stories, that sort of think piece, that kind of stuff, I think could actually work really well in a podcast, um, narrative podcast as well. And that's not always utilized because I think people do tend to think of true crime as the first, as the main example. An example of a narrative podcast would be Masters of Scale or I like Ear Hustle. That's a... Mm -hmm. One of one of my favorites, Plant Money is another one that that I enjoy. Do you guys have any favorite narrative podcasts? I personally really like Lore by Aaron Menke because I find the way that he writes his episodes and the way he structures them extremely interesting. Not only is he a good writer and a good storyteller, but the topics he's covering are really unique and creative. And what he does is he tells mini stories. He tells stories within stories but connects them all through a theme and a broader story. So his is a bit more of a complex structure, but I really like lore. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know I like to play dumb for the purposes of this podcast, but I've actually worked on a narrative podcast before uh, with my good friend Robert Flores. We did a, a series called Almost Champions. It was meant to be multiple seasons, but uh, ended up being only one season long because it takes a lot of time to do a narrative podcast. So the first season was only about the 1998 Minnesota Vikings, who were almost champions. Yeah. How did you find that working on that? It's a lot of fun. Quite frankly, I find it a lot more engaging and creative. You can do a lot more things with a narrative podcast than you can with an interview podcast. But really, if you really want to break it down to, to its most simplistic form, it's still an interview podcast. You're just taking the parts of those interviews and forming your story in a different manner. Yes, I completely agree. You know, narrative podcasts can stem from lots of research, like lore. It can stem from interviews. It can stem from whatever you want. But with those interview, interview to narrative podcasts, you're just taking the best bits of that interview or you're just sort of restructuring that interview into a cohesive narrative. Whereas, you know, sometimes interviews can get unorganized or disorganized in some way you can go you can have an interviewee go off on a tangent or maybe even the interviewer forgets to ask an important question so with narrative podcasts that are based on interviews you have a lot more control over how that experience is relayed to the listener the narrative can be non-linear too right it doesn't have to go from point A to point B. You can shuffle the events around to make it more interesting as well. I know we just we were just working on a narrative podcast a couple weeks ago where we began with a hook and then we backtracked and then worked our way back up to that point that we brought up in the hook of the in the teaser in the opening. So you could really play around with the chronology in a narrative podcast. 
Okay, Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> As I'm looking at our notes here, I'm I'm told that we have seven steps to a narrative podcast. Do we want to sort of give an overview of what those are? Mm-hmm. In our process for creating our narrative podcast, we have step one, which is developing the podcast season's focus and episode topics. Step two is write a detailed storyboard for each episode. Step three is conduct your interviews, transcribe them, pull quotes. Step four is write and edit your script. Step five is recording a script and editing a draft of that. Step six is adding music and sound effects and mastering the podcast audio. Then step seven is to publish and promote it. All right. Well, let's talk to Izzy. Izzy, let's go a little bit more in depth on step one, develop the podcast season's focused and episode topics. I'm guessing this is where this is where the idea for the show comes up. Yeah, so I would say on this, there are a couple things. One, you do have to be true to yourself and and work on something that really interests you, something that you're passionate about, a topic that you're passionate about, because podcasts in general, especially narrative podcasts, take a lot of time and energy. And if you're going to be working on something for a very long time, it's good to pick something that you care about. You don't need to do, you know, the most trendy topic in the world, but if you pick something you have a lot of passion for, that will come through in the episode itself later on. So in terms of the season's focus and the episode topics, it can either be very broad or it can be very narrow. That kind of comes down to you. I would say broad is a little bit better because it gives you a little more flexibility from episode to episode. For example, we currently have a client who is creating a podcast about stories and perspectives on how leaders in organizations rise up to the occasion and meet challenges in times such as these in the pandemic. So she has a bunch of people that she needs to interview and that she's interviewing. And they're all just completely different stories about how people have adapted and changed in COVID to meet a certain need. That's her topic. Some could be broader or more specific than that pick something that you care about. It would be helpful to have knowledge in that field as well so that you could be a good interviewer or to do the research if you don't understand that field so well. Why, in this particular instance, would this person decide to do a narrative podcast when they talk to all these people, they could just release the interviews? Just to be more engaging and to be different than the yeah. than the usual interview podcast that you tend to hear because there's like a million of what is there 1.7 million podcasts out there out there Jay. so so to have a, a narrative that still expresses these topics it puts it in fewer company along with that in talking with different people you know interviewing different people some people are more eloquent than others some people have a more uh just engaging way that they speak it's nobody's fault or anything it's just people speak differently People have a different vocabulary level. And so through taking those interviews and rewriting them to fit a narrative structure, it can give a nice tone, overall tone to your podcast. It can give a nice overall, just sort of a consistency in the writing and in the way that you engage the audience. Just to play the stereotype that we already set forth at the beginning of this podcast, I'm sure those Cambridge professors are a lot different than the American professors and their delivery of the content and the way that they speak. I just think that overall, 
it really just comes down to the fact that everybody loves a good story. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from. It doesn't matter what culture. It doesn't matter the medium either to an extent. We, as humans, we've always been craving stories. We always want to hear stories, you know, from, you know, cave drawings up until, I don't know, TikTok. People love stories. They, they just, they sell. And I just think that it's a much more interesting and creative way to deliver information. By the way, I'm writing down cave stories TikTok. I think that's a million dollar idea. <laughs> writing that down right now. Step two here, write a detailed storyboard for each episode. I'm sure there's a lot more that goes into that other than just putting it in the most simplistic way. And I'm also guessing that my why game probably comes into play at some point with this particular task. I would suggest creating like an outline, correct, Isabel? Mm -hmm. I would say, you know, and this depends on, again, if you are going based off an interview, let's assume you're going based off an interview. You might want to jot down what questions you want to ask, what in what order you want to ask. You can also write down where you want to be in the story in terms of minutes, like halfway through the story, halfway through the podcast episode, where do you want the narrative to be? Just overall writing an outline so that you don't end up, you know, going off the rails <laughs> or just, you know, going off topic and then having to spend a lot of time in post editing or having to redo the whole thing. So it's okay to allow for a little bit of freedom, a little bit of creativity and spontaneity, but it is nice to have a structure that you're following in terms of your questions. You can ask your questions, you can ask your questions in whatever order you see fit. Chronological is the most common way to do that, but sometimes people go by theme, sometimes people go by topic, you know, covering one topic in the first half and another later on, but I would just say go in whatever order makes logical sense as long as it just follows a pattern. Obviously, if you're doing it via interviews, your interviews don't have to match up with the way that you tell the story because you're obviously taking those answers and putting them where you need to put them in the way that you're telling the story. Exactly. And if your interviewee says something that's that you just weren't planning for, but it's extremely interesting, it's okay to go off script and ask a couple of questions, you know, get more material. Because later on, you can weave that in however you want. You could choose to cut it out, what have you. Just if something really interesting comes up or different that you weren't expecting and you really like that, follow that in the interview. Follow that in the moment because later on, you can always organize it. And you don't have to worry about, you know, fitting rigidly, too rigidly into the structure. One last thing, what would be helpful as well is thinking about what sort of emotions or feelings, what sort of atmosphere you want to evoke. Now, this can be something that you do later on just in the script. But if you want to have a very dramatic interview, you can ask dramatic questions. If you want to have a very nuanced, thorough interview about one specific topic, you can ask very detailed questions. It's just sort of getting brainstorming what ideas, what atmosphere, what tone you want to convey. And there's another way to to also go along with the script is with the sound design, using the music to build the emotion as well. I think music in podcasts is terrible. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no, music is obviously a, a, a great tool to help build any sort of conflict or emotion in any sort of story. Just make sure it's pod safe. Step three, conduct your interviews, transcribe them, and pull quotes. And I mean, conducting the interview, that's 
that's pretty self-explanatory. And transcribing them may or may not be uh, self-explanatory. Can you go a little bit more in detail on this? So what we do, Jay, is we like to transcribe them because transcription, it makes it a lot easier to see where your quotes are, to find your quotes, to pull them, to even write the script with, rather than if you have an hour-long podcast to keep listening through the whole hour-long podcast, you can just go through and highlight highlight your sections that you want to pull. Now, if you're going to transcribe, there's several different services that you can look at. Yes, you can transcribe yourself, which is going to take a long, a long, long, long time. But there's a free service called Descript. I don't recommend it because I find it very clunky and it's hard to use and it's not too accurate, but it is free. There's another one called Temi, T-E-M-I, Temi.com. Now that one is, it's like, I think it's 25 cents a minute. It's kind of cheap. It's auto transcribed. Again, we kind of feel that it's not entirely accurate. So if you need an accurate transcription, you're going to have to go back and, and edit some words here and there. Depending on the audio clarity, it could, you know, if you don't have clear audio, then it's going to be not as accurate. Now, the service that I prefer to use is rev.com, which is rev.com. That one is actually human transcribed and it's $1.25 a minute. Now, if you got, if you have your 60 minute podcast, it's going to tend to be quite, ex- I mean, what I feel is quite expensive, you know, $70, $80 for transcription, but it's 99% accurate. I mean, I've used them for several years now and I might have a handful of times that I've had to go back and, and change a word. Other than that, it's been extremely accurate. I use it for transcription. I use it for subtitles. I use it for closed captioning. I use it for pulling quotes, making sure they're accurate for social content, things like that. Why would accuracy be that important at this step of the game? Because honestly, if you're just using it for your own outline, your own personal outline, the transcript doesn't really need to be that accurate. I would say it doesn't need to be accurate for your own outline, but if you're going to get it done once, might as well get it done as accurate as possible because I know in our step, we'll take the transcript and in order to have the subtitles in a in a social media piece or something, you'd want those to be accurate. So rather than having to go through and edit the transcript all over again. When you do go to promote your podcast on social media, if you're going to be posting quotes from that podcast or pulling quotes for show notes or, you know, marketing, what what have you, that is when the accuracy is most important. Because if you misquote your guest, even if it's by mistake, that is kind of disrespectful to them. And they, I mean, some people might not notice, but other people will. So it's it's also just like being professional and being respectful to to the person who decided to come on your podcast. So accuracy is most important when pulling quotes. And I would also say in your own outline, like if there is a line you're unsure about, it's accuracy, you know, sometimes that could change the whole meaning of a paragraph. So it is nice to just go over and um, even if it's just briefly and see if there's any inconsistencies. All right. So remember for our social media uh, Isabel says, uh, accuracy is not important when it comes to quoting your guests. Okay. <laughs> Got it. 
write and editing your script. Again, this 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 sounds pretty self-explanatory, but I'm sure there's a little bit more that goes into it than just writing it down. Yeah, so just tackling some of the logistics first. John and I are both in agreement that when it comes to narrative podcasts, like 20 to 30 minutes is sort of an ideal. It's a bit of a sweet spot. Obviously, if your story is engaging enough, it can be a little bit longer. It doesn't matter if it's a little shorter, but I would recommend 20 to 30 minutes because that's usually the amount of time people have to listen, you know, to a podcast if they're, you know, doing dishes or driving or what have you. And then another just logistical point in terms of converting the word count to the length of the episode, it's roughly 170 words per minute. So for example, if you want to do a 20-minute episode, that's going to be a little bit over 3,000 words to write. And taking into account music breaks or intros and outros, any of that stuff, I think it's important to take those into consideration when determining the length of your script. So that's some logistical stuff first. And then moving on to more the, the creative side Again, you want to tell a compelling story. It doesn't need to be told chronologically, but chronologically is sort of the easiest way to approach it. You can you can shuffle up your timeline a little bit. Uh, it's good to have a few breaks in there, maybe broken up with music or just a pause, what have you. When you've written the script, one thing that I always suggest is read it out loud first before you record. This is really important. You, This actually is true for any writing, but especially with something that is an audio drama or audio based, you need to read it out loud first because there are certain words that might sound good. They might sound good written down. And when you say them out loud, it's very off-putting. Or there are certain sentences that sound better on paper than they do out loud because when you're kind of converting to audio, I would say a simpler sentence structure is more preferable. Again, it's up to your writing style, but it's important to read it out loud to hear the rhythm of the words because that is going to be how your audience receives that information. Yeah, try and say the word colloquially <laughs> so that it comes trippingly off your tongue. Yeah. I, I can't even do it. <laughs> I can't even do it. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. This also, hmm, this also sounds like it could be a whole topic for a whole nother podcast. Hmm. Yes, it could. This is a very juicy area. <laughs> and there's a lot to say on it, I, I think. But just going over it quickly, again, a compelling story, stay true to your, your own style and tone. And I would try to stick to 20 to 30 minutes. This next one, I think I'm, I'm going to fire off to you, John, here, because it's the recording script and editing draft. And I can I can just imagine like somebody decided to record with say, Squadcast during their interview, but then they set up and recorded themselves in like the perfect studio environment. And boy, I'll bet it's going to sound a little bit different. Yeah, Joe, you definitely want to be careful if you would record your host and guest on, like you said, Squadcast, but then the host would go and re-record the script in a studio setting then there will definitely be a big difference between the squadcast recording and the studio recording. So if you do take a part of the back and forth question and answer section of your host and guest, and then put that 
together with the script, then the host is going to sound different during the question and answer segment compared to the scripted segment. So our process for recording would be, once again, doing an interview first. And Isabel usually would create the script for it, and then the, the host would record the script. For example, the last one that we did, the interview was about 40 minutes long. By the time we pulled out the the quotes from that, which were maybe 10 minutes total, mm-hmm. then Isabel went through and created a script for it to, to read. And after she recorded that, it ended up being like 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. So between between the 15 minutes, the 10 minutes of quotes, and then right now we're in the process of putting the music and the sound effects in, which is the, the next step to go along with the emotions of the, of the written script. I would imagine, uh, as we sort of lump these sort of steps together here, that one of the important parts of the preparation going into it is to try and limit as many edits as possible to the final script. You probably don't want to have a lot of offhanded comments or, or go off script too much here in these final stages. Correct. Just going on to that, earlier when we were talking about, you know, not being afraid to embrace a bit of spontaneity in the interview, in this stage, you don't really want that. (laughs) In this stage, you want to have as tight a script as possible, just because it will be so much easier for you in the long run. Again, that's why reading out loud is important. That's why getting the script right is important. That's why making sure the quotes are the right quotes. All of that is important. But this, these are just steps to save you time. You could probably skip reading the script out loud if you really wanted to. But I think in the long run, it'll add a lot more time. So these are just tips to, to make your life a little bit easier. On the Almost Champions podcast that I worked on, Robert was got like a brilliant stroke of creativity after I had already done a final mix with the bed and I was like everything hit posts and it sounded perfect and he's like I want to add this one little drop right here and I was like that one little drop is 4 seconds I don't have 4 seconds more of music to add <laughs> to make everything fit perfect needless to say that one little drop did not go in but that's the sort of thing that you really want to you know sometimes you can be struck with genius at the exact wrong time Exactly, which this is just, again, it would be, it's helpful to, once you've written that script and you've read it out loud, put it aside for a day or two, put it aside for longer if you can. Just all of these little things, because like you said, once you have the music, once you have the storyboard, once the podcast has all come together, it's not like editing an article where you can just go in and, you know, delete a few words and retype it. It's a whole production, media production, and it's going to derail the rest of that, it's going to derail the whole project if you just want to add in, you know, like you said, a four seconds. I'm sure you guys can share sort of the timing around how long it takes to create an episode. But I know from attending a couple of podcast movements and speaking with Aaron Mankey and his process, he goes through about a month before his episode is completed. And of course, he's got a much larger team of people working on it, too, the 20 or so staff members working on that particular episode. But it takes a long time to make one episode of lore. It, it's definitely a lot more time consuming. Again, that also depends on the, the client and how fast they can yes. do their end. Because there is the extra step of not only are you doing the interview, but then after the scripts were in, having to have the time to go back and record a second time for the same podcast 
for the same episode. I mean, we have an increased amount of time on our side for producing it and editing it, but also the amount of time that the the client or the host needs is at least double. I agree. And again, it kind of comes down to how much time the client has or the host has as well, because, you know, even if it only takes 20 minutes to record, sometimes things get put on the back burner. Sometimes other problems arise, other projects come up. So it can get delayed. But I think that if you are focused on it, if you can prioritize it, because that's not always the case, if you can choose to prioritize it, you can get it done much faster. It just, when when you're working with multiple people, sometimes it gets harder because everyone has a different schedule and different lives and different things going on, especially with everything remote right now. It can be difficult for people to find the time. You know, a, a host might not have 20 minutes when their kids aren't, you know, screaming and running around <laughs> at home. So yeah, it really does depend on the people involved, I think, as well. A major snowstorm might come through and a snowblower might break and a host of a podcast may not be available when they originally planned to be. Yeah, that's uh, I think I think I've heard that story before. Adding music and effects and mastering the podcast audio. I think we've pretty much covered this mm-hmm. here. Yeah, just make sure it's pod safe. Right. And so we come to the final step, which is publish and promote. Yeah. And I would just say that this is sort of similar to how you would promote other podcasts in that I would say utilize social media. It's free. You know, utilize that as much as you can. But also when it comes to narrative podcasts, like I I think I mentioned this before, if there's a really interesting quote, if there's a really interesting line um, at the end of an act break or something very dramatic, you can use that to your advantage. And, you know, maybe tease people on social media with something like that to lure them in. So, you know, use use the script to your advantage. So really, at this point, once the episode is completed and you're promoting it, you just want to utilize all the same promotion activities that a regular podcaster would. And if anything, trying to present yourself as more of an expert on the topic, maybe becoming a guest on other shows to talk about this one podcast where you're speaking to multiple experts in a narrative format. I completely agree. I think that's a great idea. Also including, I mean, just this is sort of basic, but tagging your guests or including your guests somehow on the post so that they can promote it to their own platforms. And just sort of, like you said, building a network. I think networking is really important. Going on other podcasts or interviews, what have you, all of that makes a difference. This has been great. I think this is this is fantastic. I think as we get further involved and and as may have been alluded to earlier, there's going to be another episode about narrative podcasts. I think this is a lot of good stuff that uh, people can walk away with and and have a little bit more knowledge about what goes into a narrative podcast and exactly how much work it actually will entail. If you're a solo person trying to do a narrative podcast, just understand that the undertaking that you're about to do is is quite immense. And having a team like the Queued Up Podcast Agency could be something that's very helpful for you. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, Izzy, thanks so much for jumping on to the Queued Up Podcast on podcasting. It's been wonderful having you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and inviting me on. It's also nice to have someone else laugh at my silly jokes, too. <laughs> John, if people are interested in getting in touch with you about uh, creating a narrative podcast, how would they do so? Sure, they can reach out to the website, which is queued up.com, qd-up.com. 
or through email, which is info at queuedup.com or LinkedIn. Awesome. I can obviously help you and guide you in narrative podcasting. However, I will most likely guide you right to queuedup.com. Uh, but if you're looking for assistance in the podcasting realm, you can reach me on Twitter at the real Podvader. My DMs are open, so it's very easy to get in touch with me. I am also on LinkedIn. Again, Podvader, very easy to find. Uh, nextfanup at gmail.com if you prefer an email. Uh, that is the email to my NFL podcast, which is not a narrative podcast, though I would love to do one. Just, it's a matter of time. It's just, it's a lot of time, people. It is. But if you have a writer, helping you. <laughs> it will be much faster. <laughs> awesome. So uh, excellent work here. Izzy, thanks so much for joining us. John, thanks so much for being the co-host once again. <laughs> for everyone else, that'll do it for part one of Narrative Podcasts. There you have it.